And Father, we do, we need you. Lord Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you. God, and three persons, we need you. We're counting on you. We're so grateful to you. We're grateful for what you're doing in the world. We're grateful that we get to be a part of your kingdom purpose. Bless the tithes and offerings that are given to advance your kingdom in the world. God bless us as a family of faith as we daily pray for an awakening, daily pray for your activity in our world. God, we lift up to you our school systems and our our colleges and universities here in town. We pray specifically, God, for our teachers that you would guide them. Many are scrambling uh, to figure out how to provide for their own families in the midst of of these plans. God, we pray for children who will be in person. We pray for health for teachers and students. Pray for those children who will be learning at home. Bless their families to have peace and not conflict. We pray for college students who are uh, coming onto campuses. We pray specifically for Western. God, hear us as we pray there on campus on Tuesday. We pray for a movement of your spirit. Bless those students. Bless their families. Keep them well. And Lord God, now as we, as we look at your word together, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, go ahead and be seated. If you want, you're welcome to remove your mask while I'm preaching God's Word. We're in the series. We're talking about God's provision. Isaiah chapter 43, uh, beginning verse 16, says, Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down. They cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That's what God's doing. It's kind of God he is. We started last week talking about the importance of being able to uh, engage with what God is doing in the world, to adapt, and then to be able to advance. Those are the uh, kind of the model, the model we've been holding on to, you know, the last few weeks wanted to do a series where we would talk about God's provision in this because we're in the midst of a mess. I mean, this is a mess and it's so difficult. I was talking to an older man yesterday and and his frustration is it's, it's the information keeps changing. Do this, don't do this. This is what it is. This is not what it is. And, and then just to get the sense that so much of it is political on both sides, on all sides, that someone's trying to take advantage of something for whatever reason, and, and it makes you really pause. And here's the good news for those of us who are disciples of Jesus Christ. We have the truth of God's Word, and we know the truth giver. Give Him praise. Let's praise God. Praise God. We have the truth. And we have the truth giver, God, who is with us, who loves us, who has made us promises. And please, Christians, understand, right now, our theology is being revealed. You know, we, we talk about being this church that's impacting our homes and neighbors and every generation with the hope of Jesus. Let's make sure that that is the impact that we're having on our homes and our neighbors and every generation, because they're watching And they're wondering, is this real? Is your hope really Jesus? Right now, you can be preaching some of the best sermons your kids will ever hear, that your parents will ever hear, that your friends will ever come to understand. Here's what we know. God is at work. 
We've been saying, come see what God can do. And then he has sent us out into the world to, to be able to show who God is, what he's doing in the world. And we get to be a part of it. And the good news that we're going to see today in our scripture is that God provides the strength for us to do that. It's really not, it's really not on us. If, if we'll let him, God will reveal himself through us. God will strengthen us to do what he's promised he will do. If you look in verse 16, hopefully you're there in Isaiah 43. We looked at last week how God provides a way. And of course, the, the prophet inspired by God is pointing the children of Israel back to the exodus. He's about to take Israel to exile in Babylon and promise, I'm going to bring you out of there. And he says, I'm going to, I'm going to do for you kind of what I did for the, the nation when it was in bondage to Egypt. And he said, I, I'm going to make a way. And, and we looked at that last week. This morning, we're going to look at verse 17 and look at that. Look at the, look at the power of God. God said he summoned them, that it was God who put the Egyptian forces there bearing down on the children of Israel at the sea. Notice it was God himself who was the, the warrior who fights for his people. He is the one who removed that army. He said, I extinguished them like a wick, like a, like a little flame, like a little candle. Gone. He said, you won't see them again. This is the power of our God. Our God has the power to work in miraculous ways because of his power and his strength. And he has he has the love in his heart for us to do it. Now, that, that historical event that's talked about in verse 17 is, is, is found in the Bible in Exodus 14. If you don't mind, let's go to Exodus 14. And that's really where we're going to spend most of our time this morning uh, is in Exodus 14, looking specifically at how God did what he did. Now, remember at this point, the children of Israel have been enslaved for 400 years the Egyptian had murdered many of their uh, male babies. They had treated them as, as less than animals at some times. And, and for 400 years, just like the people of color, brown and black people in our country, for 400 years were enslaved and treated horribly. God raised up a leader in Moses to provide a way. And in our country and around the world, God has raised up leaders that can, that can overcome and bring influence so that there, there can be new life, there can be salvation, there can be hope and healing. And it's not done yet. You know, the slavery that the Egyptians brought, that's all slaveholders, it's what they bring and bear down on people. It's, it's so much like sin. You know what sin does? It, it takes our flesh and holds us captive. It hurts us. It causes us great harm and reduces us to just mere animals. God has made us all image bearers. We're all made in the image of God, red and yellow, black and white, people of all ages, people of all levels of society. And guys, for those of us who know God through faith in Jesus Christ, we've been given freedom. And God expects us to leverage that freedom to help free others, not just with racism and classism and sexism, but I would even go so far as to say, friends, there is a battle waging now. There is a, there is a slave trade that's taking place right now in sex slave trading with children in particular, and we have a responsibility. We continue to have a responsibility as those who have been freed by the power of God. 
we have a responsibility to bring influence into our culture, to celebrate those who have been influencers, who have brought good, who have brought blessings. What God has done for us has set us free from our two greatest enemies, sin and death. On the cross, he defeated sin because he paid in full for our sin with his blood. And now everyone who believes is free from the power of sin. But in his resurrection, we're free from the punishment of sin because when he was raised from the dead, he defeated death. Jesus has defeated sin and death and he has set us free. And in our freedom, we are to live free and we are to help free others from the bondage of all that society is bringing down, all the bondage of the pain of the sin that the world is bringing down. We know that sin creates brokenness and our world is filled with brokenness. And those of us who have repented and believed the gospel, we have experienced a power that allows us to pursue and recover God's design. And it's our responsibility to call others to this freedom. And it's not us. It's not our freedom. It's not what we can do. It's what God has done. It is his power. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. We read, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Everyone who believes the gospel, who repents of self-dependency, repents of trusting in any created thing, and says, no, no, Jesus, I know you are alive. I know you paid for my sin. Take my life. We're free to pursue and recover God's design. And as we do that, we are strengthened. What we see in this text is God providing his strength. And we see it through Moses' experience. And there's some things we learned that we are to do. So if you've got your Bible, and I do hope you do, let's go now to Exodus chapter 14. Let's look at Moses' experience. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. I'm going to read verses 11 through 15 and give explanation of how it is we can experience God's strength and what this, this interaction teaches us. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. By the way, that's not what they said. <laughs> for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. If you would be seated and I'll preach for, I pray for the preaching of God's word. In order for us to experience God's strength, three things I would encourage you to take note of. The first one is this, very important. And this may be, of them all, this may be the hardest one. Admit our weakness. Admit we need the help. Now, these Israelites, they were mad at Moses because they knew good and well they could not defeat these Egyptians. They knew that they had been placed in a position that, that they, they couldn't do anything about it. And they were mad. They were very upset. Uh, they, they had also, though, forgotten what they know about God. By the way, let's not forget, God had just, had just brought them victory over the Egyptians uh, with, with the Passover and, and all of this. And so it's not as though they didn't know better, but they, they forgot. And that happens so easily. 
We get so in tuned with what media tells us, what we read, what we hear. We're constantly inundated with all these different messages. And friends, we've got we've to cut through all the noise and get to God's Word. And we've got to remember who we are and who God is. Most people don't know who we are how weak we are, how, how needy we are, how, how, how much we need God. And unfortunately, some who even know God forget things about God. And that's why it's so important that we rally every Sunday to celebrate Jesus and worship Him. Unfortunately, a, a lot of people think way too much of human beings. Not because we're image bearers, but because we think that we are and want to be our own gods. Many have joined uh, this false religion that was created by um, Norman Vincent Peale and his power of positive thinking. It's become cult-like, and there are so many uh, types of Christianity that have taken on the lies that this teaches. And what it basically at its base teaches is that we have the power just by saying something that, that, that makes it happen. Just because, well, I just, you know, I claim it, I say it, I believe this. And now don't misunderstand me. What we say is important. Our words influence. And if you're all the time negative, don't be surprised that you're surrounded by negative people. People that are afraid to step out and try and do important things. Friends, when we're encouragers and when we speak truth and love and we, we are forceful in believing what we believe and we state it, that has a powerful influence. But let's not be so silly as to think that we finite creatures can say something and make it a reality. For instance... Show of hands, so wake up your, your, your person sleeping next to you, unless they're a small child, leave them alone. But if, if you would, show of hands here. How many of you have said or heard someone say in terms of COVID, I'm so over it? Absolutely. That didn't change anything, by the way. You saying that you were over, saying it was over, you need to be, nothing, nothing. You know what? Because there's certain things that, that we just can't do. Now, God... All God has to say is, gone, and it's gone. That's the power of our God. We don't have that power. <laughs> no, we, we, have to, we have to rely on the God. And unfortunately, a lot of folks don't know the God. And there's so many today who believe not only that they can speak something into reality and make it happen, they also believe that God exists to make us happy. That God's in heaven trying to figure out how it is he can enable us to accomplish our dreams and make our, our futures what we want them to be. That God will, will never put us in a place where we don't want to be. That God would, would never put us in a difficult place. That's a lie. You were born in a difficult place. You're going to live in a difficult place. And you're going to spend most of your life in, in situations that you in and of yourself cannot overcome. There's so many people that take uh, one particular text, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, out of context, and they say the most silly things. They don't understand what the Scripture is saying and talking about to begin with, and then they misapply it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation. Okay, temptation. That's the topic. That's what he's speaking to. He's not talking about our happy. He's not talking about temptation, sin. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. We can, by God's power, we can overcome temptation or escape it. We can do that. 
That's, that's the power of God. He allows us to be tempted. And we say, Lord, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. We feel that. We know that. He provides a way beyond temptation. But that's not the way some people want this text to read. Now, what they will often say is, God will never give me more than I can handle. That's a lie. God will regularly give you more than you can handle because that's how you grow. God will regularly give you more than you can handle so that you look to him because he actually has the power to overcome everything we ever face. Never forget this. Everything is small to God. There's nothing bigger than him. There's nothing more powerful than him. Everything is small to God. And what he wants us to realize is that we can't do it. We can't speak it into reality. We can't overcome it. He can. He's going to put us in circumstances where we're going to have to rely on him. And the Israelites were mad because that's where they were. Some of you right now, you're very frustrated. I, I, I hear it. I get it. Here's what happens to us. When we're frustrated, it's because we can't fix it. Some of you are so frustrated right now because you can't fix someone you love. Someone you love is messing up their life. They're running from God. They're hurting other people. And you can't fix it. And you're frustrated. Some of you are frustrated because you can't fix your circumstances. You can't make COVID go away. You can't, you can't make, you know, all the things the way you want the world to operate. You can't make that happen. You're frustrated. You're over it, but that didn't fix anything. You're frustrated because you can't, you can't fix the consequences of your sin or the sin of someone else and how it's landed on you. And it hurts and it's hard and it's frustrating. But I want to tell you, our God has power. He knew this was going to happen and he, he wants to lift you. He wants to lift with you. He wants to help. He wants to strengthen us who believe. But we've got to, we've got to admit that we need the help. When I played football, we regularly had times when we had to, uh, uh, we, had, we called them max out days. It's days when you had to do your maximum weight. And so we typically would do bench press, squat, and cling and jerk. And so we had a guy who, hands down, I mean, he was one of the strongest guys I, I ever knew. I mean, just pound for pound was a, a, a man among, among boy. I mean, he was just strong. And on one of, the, uh, one of our max out days, he was very, very sure that he was going to br break this record of the most weight bench pressed by a player on our, our team in the history of our team. And he wanted everyone to see it. So he called everybody to come over the whole weight room. We're all filling up around him and he's just talking. He's just running his mouth. Everybody, you know, and he's just, you know, doing his thing. Well, while he's talking to everybody, two guys slipped 25 pound plates on both sides. So there's a spotter there, a guy, and he's just smiling. He goes, all right, brother. So they helped him get it up. He gets it off. He gets it on his chest, and he can't budge it. And the guy spotted and said, you need a little help? You need me to help you a little bit? I need to hear you say, I can't do it. I need to hear you ask me for help. He goes, get it off, get it off. And he pulls it up and gets it up, and he stands up. Everybody's laughing, and he's dejected. He's just kind of looking around, and one of his friends said, you know they added 25 pounds on either side. This was a, a very strong man. He began to almost kill people. I mean, it was like, it was like Samson with the Philistines. And I'm just like, stop, preacher, get out of my way, Pettis. I don't care what you do, I'm gonna kill, don't do it. 
We calmed him down. He got the weight he wanted, and, 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 then, and then some, and we were all very impressed. But he, got it, he, he, he couldn't get that weight up. What happened to him is what happens to us. Life adds weight we can't lift. I want you to remember this. Life always adds weight we can't lift. So God says, uh, it is good for a man to leave his, his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one. That's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's such a great blessing. But you know what the, life does? Life adds conflict and cancer and pain and sickness and it's weight we can't lift. Children are a blessing from the Lord. So they say. <laughs> no, they are. But they, they bring weight. They, they have challenges. They're unreasonable. Uh, there's, there's things that happen to them that we can't control and we can't fix. And it's a weight that we, we can't lift. You know, jobs are a blessing. School's a blessing. There's so many things. But you know what life does? Life adds weight onto those things. And, and we can't lift it. But remember, everything is small to God. He can lift it. He can strengthen us. But we have to admit we need His help. As a matter of fact, the smartest thing any of us will ever do is say, God, I need you. Help me. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 said this, but he, Jesus, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Look at this. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's in that moment when we say, God, help me, that we are at our very strongest. You, are, you and I are never stronger than when we're on our knees crying out to God for help. Because He is the Almighty. And everything is small to Him. But it begins with us saying, I need your help. Admitting our weaknesses and saying, Lord, I need you. I'm looking to you. And to rely on God is to trust God. And that's the second thing. To experience God's strength, we must trust God's providence. Now again, God knew what the Israelites had forgotten. Moses rather knew what, God, uh, what the Israelites had forgotten, and that is that God is able. One of my favorite scriptures, and the one I put on my signature, is uh, Luke 18, 27. What is impossible with man is possible with God, because God is the Almighty. There is no stopping God, and His work in the world is what we know as providence. Now, let me give you a lengthy definition uh, that is somewhat uh, complicated, but I'll post it later. I, I give it to you here just so that you can see the summation of it, not to understand it fully, but to get a sense of it. So providence is the beneficent outworking of God's sovereignty, that is his control, whereby all events are directed and disposed to look at this, to bring about those purposes of glory and good for which the universe was made. God is working to fulfill the purpose for which he created all things, which is his glory. 
These events include the actions of free agents. That is, even though we make decisions and, and we are responsible for our decisions, which while remaining free, personal and responsible are also the intended actions of those agents. So yes, we have choices. Yes, that's what we want. God is still in control. Providence thus encompasses both natural and personal events, setting them alike within the purposes of God. It's a mystery. How did God know how to harden Pharaoh's heart so that he would only release him when he did, so that the armies then would come after him and God say, I'm the one who drew them out. I'm the one who extinguished them. It's the providence of God. It's the way of God at work in the world. And in light of God's providence, look what Moses told the people, very important things. The first one is this, fear not. Do you know that I could stop the sermon right now and if you took it very seriously, you would have more to think about over the next hours and days than you can imagine to be able to comply with that very simple command. Fear not. Think about the things that stir you up that you're afraid of, that you can't control. You know, here they are. I mean, the Egyptians are bearing down and, and, and God says, I mean, Moses says to them, guys, Fear not, and because of God, of who God is, we can actually obey that command. Friends, if you're going to make it through the pandemic as a Christian, I think you need to really get to know Romans 8. Really spend some time there. Verse 31 and following says, what, what then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written? For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, fear not. We can trust him. Even when it hurts, we can trust him. Even when it's not what we want, we can trust him. He will bring about those purposes of glory and good for which the universe was made. He says to the people, fear not, stand firm. Because God has the plan. We can rest in it. Stand firm. You know, the temptation is, run, is to run. Remember this, fear is like a German shepherd. Never run from it. I've had friends over the years that have had uh, German shepherds, and these are terrifying animals. But you know, they love children. They do. There's a natural inclination to protect them. And it's really funny to introduce a child who's never been around a German shepherd to say, it's okay. Sure, he could eat you in a couple of bites, but it's okay. Want to pet the puppy? How crazy that sounds. But fear is like a German shepherd. 
know what you got to do with the German shepherd? You got to face it. You got to acknowledge it's there. Acknowledge it's dangerous. And, and then let the handler handle it. You know what we need to do with fear? We need to acknowledge that it's there. We don't need to run from it. And we need the, the handler who is God Almighty handle it. Because he's got it. We, we can stand firm. We, we can fear not. We can know, hey, you know what? My father's with me. He, my father has a hold of that fear. I, I know it's there. I know it's scary. I know it could destroy me. But I trust my father. Fear not. Stand firm. Look, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work because God has a plan. We can know that he's going to get it done. And, and Moses was right. Verse 14, uh, there's a very important word I want you to catch here. If you have the NIV, your, yours is going to say something different. It all sort of means the same thing. I want to explain it to you. The Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be silent. The NIV says still. Some of your other one says be at peace. Uh, some of them say without activity. What's the, the purpose of the text is to say... Don't do anything. It's not on you. Don't trust in you. Trust in what God is. Just be still. Just trust God. Just rest in him. Just have faith. And, and what happens when, when we do that, when we trust Christ, he makes us warriors, and then he provides for us everything we need to, to, to be able to stand. I love Ephesians 6.13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Once we admit our weakness, once, once we are in that place where we're really trusting the providence of God, it's then that we have something to do. Not before them. Not before them. We, we don't need to get ahead of God. We don't need to look how strong I am. Look at the words I'm saying. I'm changing. No. Power of positive thinking. That's all. No. We're weak, sinful creatures loved by the almighty God. We must admit that we need him. We must trust in his providence. And third, to experience God's strength, we must move forward in faith. Move forward in faith. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel, go forward. On Monday, our, our uh, preaching team was laughing about this text. We were just picturing this. Pray for us. Every Monday, we meet at 2 o'clock. Everyone who's going to be preaching at any of the venues or campuses, and everyone that morning, uh, we'll start tonight, actually, and by tomorrow morning, we'll have an outline. That at 2 o'clock, everyone brings their outline, and the best outline wins. We're a competitive group. Well, this week, no one's outline won. They were all terrible. That's why we're preaching from uh, Exodus instead of <laughs> Isaiah 43, 17. We just took that as a nudge from God to go to the historical reality. But we were laughing, thinking about, you know, here's Moses, and he's just given this very stirring, fear not, stand firm, God's with you, right? We, we don't see that in the text, but apparently he must have at some point looked at God. There must have been, because God says to him, why are you crying to me? Go! You know, I, there's a few, I don't get aggravated about much. Most stuff, I just, I don't have the energy to care. But there's a few things. Like, when you're in a hurry, and someone's in front of you, and you're at a red light, and the light turns green, but they're still texting. 
my wife has to fight my hands from the horn, trying to roll down the window, because everything's like, like, dude, go! And Carrie's like, you're a pastor, you can't yell at people. It's like, I can whoop them with the love of Jesus in my heart. I don't have to yell at them, I'll just, no. That's why I'm still alive, it's because I married Carrie Pettis, she's a good, good woman. She really is. Fourth member of the Trinity, as far as I'm concerned. But you, you get this feeling from God. He's like, oh, why are you? Go. Now, make sure you see this. We're not moving forward in faith in what we can do and what others can do and what our circumstances say is possible. We're to move forward in faith in what God can do. Go forward in faith in what God can do. I love 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. Friends, we can't always see what God sees. God sees it all. And he doesn't just see our week. He doesn't just see our year. He doesn't just see our lifetime. God sees the generations that are to come. God sees it all. And he's moving in ways that go beyond what we could possibly understand. And here's the great thing about God. He's not saying, here, I want you to figure this out. and I want you to understand everything I'm doing. It's not what he says. He's like, I get it. You can't know what I know. You can't see what I see. What God demands is that we trust him, stand firm in him, and then go forward in what he's calling us to do. Friends, you, we can't sit on our hands and, and, just, and just hope everything works okay. It works out okay. That's not faith. That, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach fatalism. The Bible teaches responsibility under God's sovereign love. That's why as a family of faith for several weeks now, we've been saying engage, adapt, advance. Engage in what God is doing. It's very different. We're in a different context. We're in a different world. Engage anyway, even though you don't get it, you don't like it, you don't agree, you don't see it all. Engage with what God is doing and then adapt. Our context is different. God is doing a new thing. And that's what this whole section and this whole, this whole series is about. We've got to adapt. And then we can advance. I'm so proud of our family of faith. I mean, three rooms, nine services today. People are coming to saving faith, baptisms every single week because God is at work. And we're choosing to engage and adapt and advance. I'm so proud of our children's ministry tonight. 18 homes are going to have over 160 children in their front yard or backyard teaching the Bible, singing songs. Because they didn't just say, well, if we can't have it in Sunday school room. I just don't know if it's going to feel right, Pastor. Guys, seriously. None of this is going to feel right engage where you can. Adapt. I'm so proud of our small groups. You know, there, there are so many of our congregation that are hurting, 
the stories of people who've stepped up, provided meals, provided rides, provided help, provided references, provided, hey, I want you to meet so-and-so and so-and-so. I know you lost your job. I want you. All these things within our family of faith, loving each other, not just sitting on our hands. Oh, well, hope it'll work. No, we engage. We adapt. We advance. But we can do that only if we are spirit-filled, blood-bought, children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Friends, if you are not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, none of this applies to you. Because you're on your own. You're on your own, friends. But God doesn't want you to be. He wants you to be with Him. He wants you to love Him. He wants you to know His love. And if you are God's children, He doesn't want you to be frustrated. He doesn't want you to be mad at the world. He doesn't want you to be overwhelmed. He wants us to say, God, I don't get it, but I, I get you. I trust you. I don't like this. I trust you. And then He expects us to ask Him to do very specific things. What do you need God to do? I mean, what? Can you be very concise about what you want God to do today? What do you need? Is he bigger? Is he able? If you don't mind, let's bow our heads together. Let's close our eyes. Let me, let me ask you this. Has there ever been a moment in your life when you have repented of your sin and, and told Jesus, I'm wrong, please forgive me, take over my life? If you've never done that, begin a relationship with God right now. Pray this. First of all, speak to Jesus. Dear Jesus, I know you hear me because I know you're alive. You died for my sins. I believe that. I know you've been raised. Forgive me and take over my life. Guide me in truth. If, if you've prayed that, you've been saved and he is with you and he's never going to leave you and you need to let someone know so we can baptize you and you need to go read Romans 8 again and, and know that he's with you. As a child of God, are you frustrated? Are you overwhelmed because you can't fix what you want fixed? Look, what do you need? Right now, ask God. Tell him you're weak. Tell him you need his help. And ask him to intervene in, in your child, in your marriage, in your life, with your attitude. Ask him to act. And Father, we don't know what you know. We don't see what you see, but we know that you love us. And we know that as we're praying, that, that these prayers are sometimes meant just simply to guide us to know your will to be able to walk in your, your plan. And no is an answer. So God, where there is a no, give us faith to believe that there is a better yes that we will agree to a million years from now. But Lord, let us trust you. I pray for some right now who've just trusted you and become Christians, that they would now be baptized and walk in your word. I pray for believers to be strengthened with hope. I pray that we will know that you are a great and mighty God and we can, we can rely on your strength. Thank you for providing your strength. We worship you and we leave now to serve you in the world. In Jesus' name, amen.